welcome once again to all of our listeners as we come together again right here on Search the Scriptures. Well, where we try to present a really warm and friendly kind of setting in our minds at least. I know we're we're on this side of the microphone and you're on the other side of your radio, wherever you might be. Maybe some of you are at home, maybe some of you are at work. Some of you are probably driving along in your car or your truck and you're listening to the program as you go along. We're thankful for every single one of you, wherever you are, listening to this program. We're thankful that we have the opportunity to be with you through Search the Scriptures. And we're thankful that so many of you have contacted us and let us know how much you appreciate hearing God's Word taught in a forthright, a detailed, and also an easy-to-understand manner. And that's just what we try to accomplish here on Search the Scriptures. We want to give God glory by teaching His Word accurately and effectively. And we want to help you in that process to develop your faith, or maybe, if you already have faith in God, to help your faith get stronger and deeper. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We teach God's Word on this program. If you're tuning in for the very first time, a brand new listener, we pray that you'll quickly recognize that we do exactly that. We really get into the Bible. We want to help you understand the scriptures more fully and more accurately. And we want to help you understand them in a way that, again, you say, hey, I can understand that. That makes sense for my life. We want to help you. We want to help you come close to God. We want to help your faith to grow. And so as your faith is growing, your desire should naturally be such that you do want to come to God, that you want to get closer to him. And you do that through Jesus Christ, his son, your Lord and Savior. As you come to believe in him as God's son and your Savior and accept him in that truth, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him openly, surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. And as you're buried with him in those waters of baptism, the blood that he shed on the cross so long ago is still absolutely effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And you get a new start, a new beginning, a do-over, so to speak. Isn't that great? How many people would like to have a do-over, a new start in their lives? God gives you that opportunity through Christ. And as you come up out of that grave of water that we call baptism, you're a new creation, Paul says. In 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 17, you've been born again, as Jesus puts it in John chapter 3, in verses 3 through 5. You are having a new start, and you have a new identity. You're a Christian, a follower of Christ. Your sins are forgiven, you're saved, you're in Christ, you've got a new beginning, and you've got a new direction in life, walking with the Lord, and a new hope and that is for eternal life in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Oh, why will not everybody do whatever they need to do to change their life and embrace this opportunity that God lays before all of us through his word? Mm. We want to help as many as we can right here in Search the Scriptures. Now, at the end of the program, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can receive a free Bible study that will help you along all of these lines. 
right from the scriptures. The study is free. We'll even take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, and again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. We don't charge anybody anything for helping them to understand, to learn God's Word better. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. We'll give you that information in just a little while. We're going to conclude our study today that we have been going through over the last several days, asking the question, what does Christian only mean? You know, I'm not sure that a whole lot of people have actually given much thought to that particular title or identity, Christian only. I think most people think of their identity when it comes to being a Christian as they understand being a Christian. They relate it to their particular denomination. And so when somebody asks them what they are religiously, they give them the name of their denomination. That's not what the scriptures teach. In fact, there is no denomination identified in the scriptures. There is simply the Lord's church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Huh. The church that belongs to Christ. And that's really what that term church of Christ or churches of Christ means in Romans 16 and verse 16, the churches that belong to Christ. Denominationalism is not a biblical concept. It's not a biblically taught principle or identity. It's something that's been made up by man. What does Christian only mean? Well, it means following Christ and Christ only in his way. The term Christian, as we've mentioned a number of times in this series of studies, is used only three times in the New Testament. Once in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, when the followers of Christ were called Christians first at Antioch, Antioch of Syria. And then the second time in Acts chapter 26 and verse 28, when after Paul had presented his defense before Agrippa, the king, Agrippa said, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And then the third time by the apostle Peter, when he wrote his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16, when he talked about suffering as a Christian. Those are the only three times. Now, as we've noted, early on, it could be that the term Christian was a mark of identity used by the enemies of Christianity, the enemies of Christ. And they could have used it in a, as a term of derision, criticizing the followers of Christ. Oh, you're a Christian, huh? Or you're one of those Christians. Well, however it was used right off the bat, by the beginning of the second century, it had become a term of identity that was embraced as being a, an identity of honor by the Christians. They gladly referred to themselves as Christians, followers of Christ. So when we're talking about what does Christian only mean, first it means accepting Christ on his terms. We can't go to God and say, hey, hey I, I thought I, I could 
improve on this whole church thing, this whole Christianity thing, this whole gospel thing. You know, I think I can make it more palatable and so uh, bring it more up to date, up to the times. Uh, no, no, no. We must accept God's word as he has given it to us. It is his word. And we aren't smart enough. We aren't wise enough. We have no authority to change it in any way. And the scriptures themselves get that point across to us over and over again. So we must come to Christ. We must accept him on his terms. Second, Christian only means standing firm on true doctrine. The word doctrine simply means teaching, as we brought out many times in this program. And so we've not we can't just believe something, some kind of teaching, but we must believe true teaching, true doctrine, sound doctrine, as it is often referred to in the New Testament scriptures, the truth of God's word. Again, we cannot twist it. We cannot make it up. We cannot improvise on what it says. We must simply stand firm on true doctrine. That's part, and that is a central feature to what Christian only means. Now third, Christian only means accepting the Bible as our only authority when it comes to our spiritual lives. The Bible is our only authoritative spiritual guide. In 2 Peter chapter 1 in verse 3, as Peter is addressing this second letter, We go back to verse 2. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God has given us the means for us to understand that knowledge that will lead us to salvation. It's not mysterious. It's not hidden somewhere. It's not in some kind of ununderstandable language. It is right there in the scriptures for us. It's easy to understand. When Paul was writing his second letter to Timothy, in chapter 3, beginning with verse 15, he, he reminded Timothy that from childhood, You have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So he reminds Timothy, you have known the holy scriptures. That's where you went. That's where your mother and your grandmother took you to teach you how to be saved, about salvation. Then he goes on and says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So he says, all scripture is not written down by man, by man's devising, but rather it is given by inspiration of God. Literally, the Greek there means it is God-breathed. The idea being, the image being that, it is, that the scriptures are God's very words coming from his mouth across his lips. 
Now, that's written in accommodative language because God is spirit. But that's the, the understanding that we're supposed to get from this. It's not written down by men out of their own heads. They wrote it down as they were guided by the Holy Spirit to write it. And now notice again, it is profitable for doctrine, teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now complete means complete, nothing left out. Thoroughly equipped means completely equipped for living the life that God wants us to live. His word is all sufficient in guiding us to those ends. In 2 Peter chapter 1 again, now remember, we've already read verse chapter 1 and verse 3, where we're told that all things that pertain to life and godliness have already been given to us through the knowledge of him, through God's word. When we drop down to verses 22, uh, 20 and 21 of 2 Peter chapter 1, we read this, knowing this, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. But for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So scripture, true scripture, was not made up by man, but it was written by men who were guided by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote so that they'd get it correct. Now that goes right along with what we read a moment ago in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17 where it says that all scripture is God-breathed. It is given by inspiration of God. The writers wrote what they wrote by inspiration from God. He guided them to write what they wrote. He guided them through the Holy Spirit. Again, so they'd get it correct. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, we look at chapter, uh, we look at verses 22 and 23. And notice what Peter says here about salvation and how we come to it. He says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Now, there are some people who want to do away with the necessity of obedience to God's teachings. They, in coming to salvation, they want to say, hey, nothing you do, nothing you can do to be saved. Well, we cannot save ourselves, but God has placed a condition upon his saving us, and that condition is that we obey his word. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren... Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Do you see the importance of God's word, of scripture, of the Bible, repeatedly emphasized to us through the very words of scripture? Oh, yes, indeed. God has not left us without a guidebook. He has given us the ultimate guidebook. It is referred to as the perfect law of liberty, the gospel. In James chapter 1 and verse 25, 
He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, in other words, continues to live by God's word and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Christianity, the Christian life, is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It is a life's walk. It is a lifestyle that goes on throughout the rest of our lives once we have become a Christian. And we're guided to live that Christian life through God's Word. That goes back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 17 and 18 again. Remember, the Word of God, Scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for rebuke, for instruction in righteousness. Now notice again verse 18, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's Word guides us in His will for our daily lives. In Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, and this is just one of many places in the scriptures that tell us we do not have the authority, we do not have the right, we do not have the knowledge or the wisdom to change God's word in any way, or to take anything away from his word, or to add anything to his word. We read, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. No, we cannot change God's word. We cannot nitpick our way through it and say, well, I, I, that part I like, that part I can accept, Well, but that part over there, nah, I, I just that doesn't make sense. I don't want to believe that. I don't think that's necessary. No, we've got to believe all of God's work, uh, of God's word. It's all his word, and we need to live by those teachings. Not just believe them initially, but live by them on a daily basis. Again, emphasizing that Christianity is not a, a, a sprint. It is a marathon. We're in it for the long haul, for the rest of our lives. Remember how our Lord put it in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. At the very end of that verse, he said, Be faithful until death. And I really think the better translation there is unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, what's the difference between until and unto? Until means up until the point of. Unto means even if I have to die for my faith, I will remain faithful. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. A lifestyle, a life's walk a marathon. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 17, we read this. Now I urge you, brethren, the Apostle Paul writes, 
Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. You see, again, it makes a difference what we believe and what we teach and what we practice. Paul says, somebody comes along and they're teaching you something else? No, you note them and you avoid them. Do not listen to their false teaching. You accept the teaching that you have received through God's word, accurately, correctly. Remember what the Apostle John wrote in 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 John chapter 1 and verse 9. He said, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. When Paul was writing to the Galatian congregations, he rebuked them for turning away from the gospel to another gospel. And then he quickly said, which is not another, but there are some who would pervert or twist the gospel. Now what Paul was saying there, you need to get back to the truth. There is only one true gospel, and when anybody changes it in any way to any degree, it is no longer the true gospel. So God has given us his word, and his knowledge, his wisdom, his will is embodied within that word. Now, something that maybe we can relate to even more personally is what Paul wrote in in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel of Christ, the teachings of Jesus and by Jesus, the gospel of salvation, Within that message is the power of God to salvation for every one of us if we'll accept it and obey it and live by it. Being a Christian only means following Christ on his terms, according to his teachings. It means standing firm upon true doctrine, true teachings, the truth of God's word. It means accepting God's word, the Bible, as our only authoritative spiritual guide. Now we could add one more. It means holding up Christ above all else and everyone else. Holding up Christ above all else and everyone else. Being converted to him and not to some denomination. In just a moment, we'll tell you how you can contact us, and you can study more deeply about how to become a Christian, how to be a Christian, how to live the Christian life, how to get to heaven. The study is free. It's right from the scriptures. We'll take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. So write down that information and then contact us. We'd love to hear from you right away.